What is up? Welcome back to Modern Day Marketer. It's Monday and you know what that means. I am dissecting, breaking down an article that hit our inspiring content channel on Slack at the Juice with Jonathan. Jonathan is the one who shared it. It is from former guest of the pod and friend of the pod and what we're doing over here at the Juice, my man, Jason Bradwell. If you're not following Jason, at Jason R. Bradwell on the Twitter machine, he wrote a post in his newsletter that was called Why MQL Still Matter. Thought it was really good. Thought, why don't we give this some time on the pod, talk a little bit about it, talk about Jason's thoughts, how we think about MQLs and what we're doing over here at the Juice. If you like what we're doing over here, hit that subscribe button. Tell a damn marketing pal that you're enjoying the show, would you? That'd be helpful. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up? Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Jonathan. We are getting off. We're off the heels of last week, which was we were virtual. There were some people in the same room. We were just planning, talking. It was a lot of alignment around team activities. I think we all felt motivated and and drained, Um, but I know we're going to be talking about just an article someone in our network put out, but maybe you'd comment on that. I think a lot of people that are listening to the podcast right now are running team meetings or a participant in these team meetings. Maybe just share some feedback on how that went on your end and how you felt afterwards. I felt both energized and drained all at the same time. And I think a few others have felt that same way of there's a ton of opportunity out in front of us. Seven hours is a long time to spend on a, uh, in a virtual room together, but I, we really have a special team and it was really a pretty enjoyable day, all things considered. I do plan to write a blog post about the process. Uh, once we're done with it, there's a lot of great resources out there. I encourage you to check them out on the juice. That's where I found some of the own resources that helped me plan the year. But uh, I think, you know, in my, my role, the job is to paint the vision and I need to do a better job. And I shared this with the team of reiterating that vision and uh, making sure we're sticking to that vision. Um, we've done a really good job. In fact, today we we announced some of our traction from the last year as well as closing out our seed round of fundraising. So a lot of momentum in the business right now. And I think with any success comes, tends to breed more success. And then the challenge becomes keeping it all on the rails and keeping it organized and knowing what to say no to and when to say no. So the team's feeling a lot of energy as we close out our fiscal year 22 and move into fiscal year 23. But that always comes with the challenge of you're kind of working on two projects at the same time or two initiatives at the same time. Uh, but again, we just have such a great team. It's a really fun challenge for us to navigate through. Yes, I share in your sentiment. I kind of like it when it goes off the rails for a little bit, but not for too long. So I keep think you on anyone, your toes. Yeah, keep you on your toes. Anyone in the startup community listening, I'm sure you can appreciate that. So I want to jump into the topic. And um, as with most things that we talk about, it was something you shared in our inspiring content Slack channel. And what I like about talking about other people's content and going and debriefing a little bit is that so often like as uh, businesses and uh, brands, we share content with each other in things like Slack or email or Twitter or whatever. And that kind of sits and maybe at some point, like I read the article, but then you've, you forgot you even posted it. And then it feels like it's too late to like have a conversation around how, what I thought. So 
I figure, you know, it, we do these podcast episodes and it's probably pretty good to just chop it up for the first time. Um, so that's what I want to do today. This came from his newsletter, correct? Correct. Okay. So friend of friend of the pod, friend of the juice, uh, Jason Bradwell, who is got a awesome podcast, Better B2B or B2B Better, one of the two. It's great. I'm I'm having a brain fart right now. Um, but B2B Byte is his newsletter too, and it came from his newsletter. And the article is called Why MQL Still Matter and How to Get Them. And that headline caught my attention because I think there's just been a debate from with marketers and sales with MQLs. Um, maybe before we jump in, and I'm gonna like start if the audience hasn't read it, I'm just gonna start with the TLDR version of what Jason put just to set the stage, but maybe like you're the one who like shared it with the group. Why did you share it? And what was top of mind for you? Leads, always leads. Um, You and I both uh, come from B2B marketing engines that were very lead centric. You know, I think that was, and for some still is the B2B playbook, you know, you live and die by leads, right? And, And gathering leads. It's something we've talked a lot about as a team, we see in the marketplace, some people are very anti-leads, and then you still see people with forms that, you know, they're they're counting those leads uh, very closely. And it's something we've wrestled with a little bit amongst our team as well, is are leads the enemy or are they a necessary evil to a degree? And it's something I've always wrestled with a lot, even personally. I think we we believe that like leads are we as a team have talked a lot about moving marketers away from just leads, but I, I know I've even pushed back on the team occasionally. I think we've even talked about this a little bit on the podcast. Leads in and of themselves aren't bad. It's poor quality leads forced through uncomfortable experiences for your prospect. Those are those are bad, right? So, so what really captured my attention about this article is like, MQLs are still important, um, but there's there's better ways to think about them. There's better ways to attract them, which I'm sure we'll talk about as part of this article. But I really liked it because it didn't, the article twofold, it, it didn't say leads were what you should be doing and it didn't say leads were evil. It found a, a I think it threaded the needle between why they matter and what you can do with them. And then I have to give Jason credit. This, this article is really, it's very tactical advice as well as kind of a, a unique perspective on the MQL topic, which is, I think there's so much thought leadership out there that is just that thoughts. And Jason did a really good job of combining tactics with thoughts, which he always does, uh, which is why we are big fans of his. Yeah. And so I think we're going to probably talk about some of those thoughts and talk about some of those tactics. What caught my attention before I gave you the, the audience, the TLDR version and what you all will link it, go check it out, go subscribe to his newsletter. It's really good. It's good enough that we're spending a podcast episode talking about some something he created. Um, but one thing that stood out to me primarily was the kind of separation when we're talking about leads, the separation of passive and active leads, which I thought seems simple in theory, but isn't talked about enough. So we're going to get into that. But the TLDR version is every marketing team should make a concentrated effort on acquiring, nurturing, and converting leads, but qualify contacts as passive or active based on their buying intent before involving the sales team. Obsess over your infrastructure, ability to create and deliver value, and processes 
for the best chances of success. Like very enlightening. That's you could read that and be like, okay, that's I have takeaways from that. But that's like the synopsis of of what he uh, wrote. Like just at the highest level possible. What are your thoughts on what Jason put to paper on that? Yeah, I love the difference between uh, passive or active leads. Jay Akunzo and I, th- I think us talked about the idea of you know it's almost insulting to the content to say that you need we need we need to we need your email address to access this content because we know the content's not good enough to for you to want to give us your email address afterwards, right? And somebody I've seen it uh, a few times out kind of in the B2B market space of like, don't create content that requires an email to access, create content so good that people want to give you their email address. I think that's a little bit similar to the difference between passive and active here. You know, I don't know how many forms I've filled out. I don't do this anymore. I don't fill out forms anymore because I use the juice, but uh, there's a lot of leads out there under the name Abraham Lincoln associated with my personal email address um, of just like, you, you know, like I'm not doing you're not doing any good if you're not in the purchasing cycle or even consideration cycle for marketers if you receive a lead from a form like and i think that actually erodes trust with your sales team when you start passing over you know garbage leads it's just that's such an old fashioned playbook and i know we've beat that up but i i think the delineation between passive and active that jason outlined is something for all marketers to think through yeah we're going to talk a little bit more about that but before we do i think the juice use case here I think just early days of getting started, creating product. The first thing like marketers in general want to think about just when they're buying new software is, okay, how is this product getting me leads now? And and how is it giving me more leads? And how is it giving me better leads? So like whatever you, you ha- whatever product you're supporting in the, the MarTech space, um, whatever you're building for, I think inherently the marketing mindset is going to be like, how is this going to get me more leads? So I think just in the early days of you know being on board, testing out messaging, testing, showing our product to to other marketers, I think at first it was like, okay, this is cool, but like you know, what what's like how many leads is it going to get give us? And I think like taking a step back and obviously being in the business, there's a difference, but it's like, okay, well, if you're creating content, like is the expectation if you're posting something like Jason's uh, uh, newsletter to immediately go and read it and then go buy what Jason is selling? Probably not. But like an, another good goal would be, okay, you're creating this piece that is so valuable that gets people like us who work at a MarTech company who have a podcast to spend a whole episode talking about it. So I think it's like the the lead generation component that is so built into our brains as marketers, um, kind of battling this brand awareness component. And it's like, if you're building for something, what should you be building for? So that was just one of the thoughts that like rushed through my mind as I was consuming uh, this article. Commentary on that. I know we've been deep in conversation. You've spent a lot of time thinking about this. It's on those of us, I think, in the boardroom a little bit. That I don't mean for that to sound arrogant, but we talk about the the conversation around measuring marketing hasn't made it to the boardroom. You know, we talk to CMOs and they say, you know, there's a slide in every board deck that is your different channels you manage, number of leads, amount of revenue per channel, like. And I think it's on us in that room to change that conversation. 
And because I know you won't do it, I get to do it now. And you teed me up perfectly. Our last two customers have not been leads, traditional leads. Uh, and I would guess probably about 50% of our customers were that way. It was one was a podcast guest that you had built a relationship with. She went, signed up for the platform, used the platform. She changed roles and came inbound to us. I, you know, I don't know how to measure that other than revenue and revenue is a great metric for marketers to measure. But like, you know, I, if we had treated that person as a lead, I don't, she never would have bought. She needed to go on her own journey and we're fortunate we have a product that, that converts. And then the other customer uh, came in through, it was a podcast guest, loves our perspective on the market. They're not an ICP for it, fit for us, but they knew someone who was. Sure enough, we started that conversation and they're now a customer. Again, like that individual on the podcast wasn't a, a lead, but we built the rapport. We have the same ethos and it led us to the right people. And, and you know, we're measuring things like opportunities or meeting set, but we're not forcing people through uncomfortable processes to become those leads. We're, we're trusting our brand. We're trusting our product uh, to stand for itself. And, you know, that there's probably something to pick at there. That's if you're, if you're really forcing your prospects through a uh, uncomfortable lead flow, are you doing that because you have to, and you know, you, your brand and product can't stand on its own. You know, th- that might unfortunately be the case for some, but like I said, I, I think leads, that conversation still being had in the boardroom. And I think it's on a lot of us uh, to think, rethink that conversation just a little bit and come at it from a different perspective. So I'm going to toss one back at you. And this is, uh, I'd love to get your insight on this. I think I love the boardroom, going back to the boardroom, educating the boardroom. It is the challenge, I think, is the fact that SAS metrics, SAS measurement, funding, it's all reliant on these metrics and these numbers. And okay, we're going to pump this money into this business. And by us pumping this money into the business, it's going to generate this many leads. And then this many leads based on the conversion rate is going to lead to this many opportunities. Once you have this many opportunities, we can rely on this many customers to come from it. And then we can go say, since we have this many customers, our churn rate is X. And, And so like, repeatability in a, a process and a system is like what SaaS is predicated on and why investors come in and fund these businesses. But I think like the hard part is for early stage companies that are just trying to figure it out is like they're being forced to, to jump in and try to build out these processes at an early stage when their brand isn't been established in these things like someone being on a podcast, liking what we're doing can come around and become a new customer. And then you want to sink your teeth in on digging in on like, well, how can you track this? How can you make this happen again? And I think that gets tough. And I think just the punchline of all this is to me is like measuring brand, especially in the early days is really freaking challenging, but like there are these signals that you get as the marketer when you just know it's working. And I think the challenging thing, just like, is to try to figure out how you communicate that back to a CEO or a boardroom who isn't quite at the same level of marketing maturity as you, because that's the role that you're in. It's tough. I don't know the answer exactly other than I know I'm looking forward to being in the boardroom and showing them what I just talked us through is like, look, you know, two customers, this much revenue came from our podcast. I'm not going to show leads. I'm going to show revenue and 
I think you just have to build that trust with your, you know, it could be your board, it could be your leadership team, whoever your stakeholders are that um, you're investing in the right things and a little bit of patience can go a long way. So yeah, it, it's, it, it is tough. I, I don't know the exact answer. I wish, you know, I could sit here and say, don't measure leads, measure this instead. But I, I think it's different for every business. And I think I even, the process you talked through of like making a predictable engine, I like, that's what I built my career on. I was, a, I started as a data analyst in marketing. I built campaigns around that same exact math. And then I led marketing teams around that same exact math. And now we're, we're building a, a business that is going against the grain on that. And that's because we felt the pain of, all right, that same math, you're going to hit diminishing returns eventually. And then the only way to get more is to produce more and then lower quality. And uh, it all kind of turns into a vicious cycle pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm really excited about what we're doing. I, I hope part of what we're building helps answer or change that conversation that's happening in the boardroom. So I think let's go back to Jason's article and the, the delineation between passive and active leads that are coming in. I think what we're recommending, if somebody comes to your website and someone like requests a demo or email someone and says, this shit is amazing. I have this problem. I want to talk to your salesperson. Like that, that is a path we all aspire to have is just marketers is like, great. Like, let me get out of the way. Go talk to Kate. She's awesome. She's going to guide you through and figure out what is the, the best fit. And if we're a fit and if so, what the process to become a customer looks like, that is like active and those are the home run scenarios we all dream about. And a lot of times like those happen because someone does a podcast, someone writes an article and does it consistently over time that when that lead has the problem, they go run to your brand and say, get out of the way, just like sign me up. That's great. The other one is passive. And I think passive is where there's been this disconnect between marketing and sales, where marketers are measured on this lead number and they are passing over all these leads that might not be ready over to sales and sales wastes a bunch of time calling down webinar leads, wasting a bunch of time and says that webinar sucks to like never create content like that. When in fact, it's those people just went to go learn and they wanted to be educated. So I think with, with passive leads is what I want to focus maybe the next part of our conversation on is that, okay, people are coming in, people are consuming your content. Jason's recommending that we we nurture these individuals. I think when I hear nurture, it still makes me like cringe a little bit because I think about like old shitty like nurture campaigns that we put everyone through and like old marketing leaders I used to work for used to call it like the black hole because they didn't believe in them. So I understand like the word nurture, but not thinking about it from the traditional sense. How How do you think about like that concept of like someone coming in reading a blog post, downloading an ebook, attending an event, listening to a podcast, like how should marketing be thinking about managing those individuals post engagement with your company's content? I've built a lot of those cadences for nurture. Campaigns. <laughs> so have I. And like, and especially we sell to marketers and I think marketers, you know, we're pretty cynical. Like we, we know all the tricks in the playbook. So it's kind of funny, like, you know, on that case, like, well, if we, if we customize with their first name and company name somewhere in the body, they'll never suspect that this is an automated drip campaign. Like we've just evolved past that point. It's, it's crazy, but 
Yeah. So a passive versus active, great example of this. I actually, um, we made our announcement about fundraising and some of the other business momentum today. I got a call from a 317 number, thought it might be, which is the Indianapolis area code, thought it might be a uh, local media member that we had emailed reaching out for more information. It wasn't, it was somebody, it was an SDR from Zoom Info. So hook, line, and sinker, right? And I've managed BDR teams in my past. And so like, I really try not to BDR shame too much. I know it's very uh, trendy and sometimes you get a lot of engagement for doing that, but he had tricked me. If we want to use that word once before we had talked on the phone once before I'm a zoom info fan. I've bought zoom info previously. I think it's, you know, when they and discover org merged, I think it's probably the best database tool (laughs) there is. We will likely become zoom info customers at some point. And I, I told him as much. I, I forget his name. I was like, hey, I know we talked previously. Like, I still intend and suspect we'll become Zoom Info customers eventually. We're just not to that point yet. I'm familiar with your process and your brand. And uh, when the time's right, I I will reach out, right? So I am passive right now. I'm going to keep myself familiar with Zoom Info. I'll see their content. I'll, I'll see kind of what they're doing in the marketplace. But I'm going to switch to active on my own. There is no nurture campaign, no... Uh, manipulative marketing tactic that is going to switch me from passive to active. So how does then the, the battle for, I think, Zoom Info is how do they keep me passive, right? And that's that's where I think a lot of content marketing programs can come in. But the statistics, you know, 70% of the buying process is done by the time somebody talks to a brand. There's all sorts of those types of statistics. But I think uh, consumer expectations, consumer technology has changed so much that so many people make the flip from passive to active on their own. I think you're kidding yourself if you think a form or a webinar or a uh, manipulative marketing tactic is going to capture a lead and turn them into a customer. I think uh, congratulations, Zoom Info, for and shout out to that BDR for uh, getting your brand on the podcast. I will say you're not a you're not a marketer in B two B if you haven't bought Zoom Info like twenty times, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, and I, I do have to give the BDR like the BDR FDR. I, I don't know his title, but like he was like it was. It, and I was actually I was going to like tweet about this, but like just be on like if you get on the phone with the BDR SDR, be polite and tell them like be honest and. He's like, great. Like, we'll wait to hear from you. I hope they make that known their CRM somewhere. Like it was just like, it was a pleasant exchange. It doesn't have to be this like discourse of uh, who's going to give in. Like it was just, it was fine. It took 30 seconds and it was great. 100%. So like, if I'm thinking about like the modern way to do marketing, right? Like it would be connecting that, like that story, that BDR story to whoever's in charge of providing value to these people, whether it's their VP of marketing, director of marketing, maybe a community manager, someone in that role. Um, And I think about, yes, we don't want to put you through, you gave them the information. We don't want to put you through the nurture drip campaigns, but like there might be opportunities to continue to find ways that are unique to the juice and what you're doing to provide consistent value. And I think one of the things Jason pointed to is that, and I, this stood out to me is that he said, you've got this this database of people, right? They've opted in at some level, consuming your content and you're here to nurture them. And Jason really referred to this group, but like, this is your, this is your community. And that stood out to me because community is thrown out all the time. Like everyone wants to build a community. Um, but I think community to me is when you start treating those people in your database as people and try to provide as much value possibly as you can, whether it's 
putting on events, whether it's creating a podcast, it, whether it's through your social media account, through your content, so that when those individuals that are just names in a database see your brand, they see the content and it gets them to think and it motivates them to do something and it gives them those warm fuzzies and good feeling when Zoom Info, the brand name comes around again and they don't cringe a little bit thinking about somebody on the SDR team trying to push them through the process and sell them a product. I read last night about um, community CLG is what they were calling it, community-led growth. I think very similar to product-led growth. I wouldn't be surprised if that becomes a big trend. I think it's some, something that is just maybe getting names that's always been apparent to good marketers is building community. And I think you're exactly right. It's about you providing that community value. Yes, that database of subscribers is value to the marketer, but uh, truly it should be you providing them value, the marketer providing your community value. And I, I think that actually goes then to PLG, the product-led growth. I think that's part of why you're seeing that emerge as being so popular. Is I've, I've even been surprised as we've been evaluating different softwares of the juice to use. Like, I'm always shocked. I'm like, oh, this is free up until this certain point. Like, I'm getting ready to do this big, like, budgeting use case. And it's like, oh, wait, like, we can experiment for free. And like, Again, I just think there's such a trust from a brand perspective that we know we're going to be valuable. There's a um, amount of like confidence that comes with that of being able to offer your product for free and give give value away for free. Um, that like those those have been the best interactions. I think that's I I know I've shared with our team. I, I truly believe like PLG is where pretty much you know I would guess ninety percent of B two B SaaS will end up heading eventually because of exactly what we're talking about. Like just the playbooks evolving and um, you got to build that trust in ways that aren't <laughs> email automation. I think we're being fed the same algorithms because I, I caught the video of the community led growth. I, I, and I, I was like, this is interesting. I want to learn more, which is good marketing, right? It yes. caught my attention. Um, let's close it out with this. So like Jason concludes the piece by talking about infrastructure value and process when thinking about MQLs. To me, like infrastructures, right? Like making sure you have the right systems or technology in place. Value is making sure that if you're going to get their attention and bring them in, you're actually, we actually talked about this today a little bit on just like, we have a lot of data in our platform. Like how can we begin to use that to provide value outward to people to get them to understand the power of what the juice can do and then process, right? Without process, none of it really works. So with those three bullets, like and thinking about MQLs and just thinking about like aligning business, marketing, sales, like what did that, how did that hit you? Like his conclusion there, just making sure those things were in order. I feel like I'm going to do a politician thing here where almost no matter what question you asked, I was going to answer it uh, with this like premeditated answer I had. At least um, you're admitting it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which uh, bullet this falls in, but in my notes from the article, the thing that really stood out to me was the, the conversation around lead magnet. You should have lead magnets, right? Like instead of undervalue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, all right. So it was a uh, relevant answer, but I thought that was a really neat perspective. I had talked a lot actually during fundraising process that B2B marketers still rely on lead capture programs. And I kind of let that sit for a second and let uh, the audience kind of marinate in that. And then I just said, like, we're using words like capture and we're talking about other human beings and people we want to be our partners and customers. Like, that just makes me feel kind of gross. Like, if you're having to capture your leads, 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, again, maybe that speaks to an underlying like product or brand challenge uh, that goes beyond the, the marketing tactics. But I, I just really love that idea of lead magnets. He says, focus on producing something of quality and making it easy for a contact to subscribe versus trying to brute force an unwanted relationship. And there was times and there, there still probably are times when brute force works. But again, like, is that the best way to create a relationship? Um, that goes beyond just transactional money being exchanged. I, I would suspect no. And I think even if maybe you create slightly less revenue with tactics that are lead magnets, I would guess um, you're going to build a better relationship. Those relationships aren't going to churn as often. They'll actually grow um, in the future and you'll actually be better off in the long term because of that. So maybe it goes back to our modern day marketer message and themes around playing the long game. I think all of this conversation around MQLs is certainly a part of that conversation. Yes, it is. Um, want to thank Jason for the awesome piece of content that we got a chance to chop up on this episode. Hopefully you had some takeaways. My feedback to you would be go subscribe to all of Jason's stuff. We will put those links in the show notes. And another call to action, if there are articles like this that challenge maybe conventional thinking, like share them with us. Like, we're going to be doing more conversations like this where we're kind of debriefing on content pieces and giving kind of our thoughts and analysis and maybe just share some perspective of what's going on at the juice in our business. But as always, thanks so much for listening. Jonathan, another one under your belt. You'll be back on soon. We'll do another one of these. Maybe you can lead the charge, drop another article and in inspiring content. And we'll talk about it again. I know I'm going to have to be careful what I drop in there now, uh, knowing that I might be on the spot to talk for a longer time. But uh, I think this is a lesson here. Create content so good that another brand talks about it on their podcast. Nice job, Jason. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening, as always. I think the delineation between active and passive leads is a great place to start. Um, having that separation and treating those people who are coming in to interact with your brand differently based on intent is a really, really thoughtful and good place to start and get on that track to becoming a modern day marketer. Jason is a really bright guy. Enjoy his content. Enjoy his stuff. I'm going to have to get him back on the pod here soon. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More modern day marketer. On the other side of this, you know those episodes drop on Friday. Talk to you soon.